to Nats Talk on the Go, the longest-running Washington Nationals podcast going today. This podcast is proudly brought to you by our supporters club, Nats Talk on the Go, Special Ops. Now, here are your hosts, Joe Drugan and Craig McHenry. Joe and Craig, let's do it. Well, hey there, Craig. Uh, welcome to the off-season. Welcome to post-apocalyptic world. Welcome to Hell is Frozen Over. Welcome to, huh? <laughs> nice. Because the Cubs are World Series champions. The Cubs of Chicago won the World Series. How about that? That is amazing. You know what I find you know amazing about that besides... The obvious, uh, besides the obvious amazing things being that the Cubs won the World Series and uh, they haven't done that in 108 years, but everyone expected them to do it this year and they still did it. Yeah, that was crazy. That is the thing that I think is so remarkable is like everybody was like, the Cubs are the best team. They're going to win the World Series. So not only were people picking the Cubs to break the 108 year long Drought. So they had the pressure all season. All season long with the talent on the team that could easily have fallen apart. They did not, and they won the World Series. That, I think, is uh, ridiculously impressive, and it, people are not making a big enough deal about. Like, when's the last time that the team that you expected was going to win the World Series and had the best record in baseball actually did that? The best record in baseball doesn't generally mean too much in terms of winning the World Series. I think it's only happened, I think this is the third time in the last, I don't know, 12 years or something. I saw a great uh, graph this morning uh, showing it, and I'll try and find it. It was an infographic. Uh, I'll try and find it and tweet it out uh, next time Joe starts talking. (laughs) Nice. Um, But, yeah, it really doesn't happen that often. But to go ahead and win 100-plus games... And then to march through the playoffs with uh, some adversity going down 3-1 in the World Series. And then to, uh, you know, come back and win in seven games. I mean, that's that's just incredible with the weight of 108 years uh, on their shoulders. Man, whew. Yeah, it, it's pretty awesome. Just everything about the way that the, that the playoffs happened in general. But this World Series was, I mean, if you're a baseball fan. If you're a sports fan. Yeah, what more could you have possibly wanted from the World Series that we got? I mean, really, what more could you possibly have wanted? Yeah, I think generally the playoffs were more exciting than they have been in previous years. Um, AL was a little bit of a dud. (laughs) Yeah. Indians really just steamrolled their way through to the World Series. Um, But the NL playoffs, I thought, were amazing all around. Yeah, I thought so, too. Um, and then the World Series was just, it was great. It was fantastic. It was so exciting. And there were such amazing personalities on display every single game. It was, it was really cool. And, uh, we are going to talk a little bit about, uh, Wednesday night's game seven. And that's why we're recording this on the day after the World Series, because we're not going to record during a game seven yeah that would have been ridiculous um so we do want to talk a little bit about it just because it is the uh dominating story of you know baseball for the year i mean the cubs breaking the drought all of this and outside of everything external with what happened there uh it was a crazy game yeah is this like the most inevitable 30 for 30 ever it's going to be fantastic. Like, yeah. I mean, and I, I know I don't think it's going to even just be Game 7. I think it's going to be the series because there were so many things that happened and so many things about the way that it was managed, the way that the games were played, um, that are so outside of the norm of even playoff baseball that makes that makes everything that happened throughout the World Series, but specifically in Game 7, just so compelling. <laughs> On top of all the other narratives, Cubs-related narratives. Oh, I think no question. And I'd like to get a little bit into the in-game specifics, just because so much happened between the lines that was 
absurd and crazy and narrative on top of narrative on top of narrative on top of crazy decision on top of did that really just happen yeah kind of moments like uh i would say surely in my lifetime this was the second best if not the best world series game that i've ever seen yeah if if not postseason baseball game yeah i mean it's my initial thought is that it's it it's it could be the proximity to or only a day afterwards, but I think there are definitely good options as other extremely good postseason and World Series games we've been. I think the only one you can really look at is two thousand one Diamondbacks Yankees. Exactly. I think I, I think, think the only one that's any any comparison, um, but I think this one might have the edge just because of everything else that went into it. I mean, not just the the Cubs with their 108 years, but you're looking at the Indians. And I mean, I think the the last time they won a World Series was the first year of integrated baseball. Yeah. Oh, man. It's, it's insane. The What those fan bases go have gone through baseball-wise uh, to get to this point, to have those two teams, and then to, to be treated to the series that we were all treated to, even after the game. You know, obviously, the Cleveland players were devastated, but they all pretty quickly seemed to appreciate what happened. You know, not, not even just the, what everybody knew that the Cubs had won for the first time in forever, in more than a century, but um, it was the weight of, like, yeah, that was that was a game people are going to talk about for a while. from From the... Uh, having the lead and then blowing the lead and the the crazy pitching changes like you talked about. Let's let's dig into that a little bit. Yeah. Um, uh, so Joe Madden was terrible. Yeah, he had a bad managerial game, which is he had not... a bad last two games. I thought. Yeah, yeah. Bringing in Chapman in Game Six and 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 for multiple innings, uh, for sure was not like the best case scenario. Um, and then. But that World Series game, to have Kyle Hendricks in the game pitching the way that Kyle, Kyle Hendricks was pitching, and then right. because an umpire blew a call. Yes, which happened but, way too often. Uh, throughout the whole postseason, but the World strike Series. Calls in the, strike calls, balls and strike calls in the World Series were a joke. It was really bad. There were there were an incredible number of balls and strikes that were, that were called incorrectly. That... That changed momentum and changed game-making decisions. Like, <clears throat> get, Kyle Hendricks would not have been pulled if he did not allow that walk. No, absolutely not. And I and he was cruising. I completely agree that I, I don't think he should have been pulled anyway. I mean, no, it was what the fourth inning, fifth inning, maybe he was at sixty something pitches. I believe he was at sixty-two pitches. Yeah, it was, I believe it was the fifth inning. And he was just utterly cruising. Yes, it was he the was, fifth. He it was he had two outs in the fifth inning. Okay, so yeah, he was at four and two thirds, yep. sixty-two pitches. He was, uh, by all likelihood, at the very least, a top three Cy Young contender for this season. Uh, and he was replaced by another starting pitcher pitching on short rest with a runner on base, where. He can't throw over. Yeah, because John... like, he literally does not have the mental faculties and physical ability to throw the ball to first base. And and Joe Madden before the game specifically said he wouldn't use Lester in that exact situation, right? Because he didn't want to put Lester in a situation where there was a runner on base, and he did exactly that. And right. if you were that worried about Hendricks, truly, if you were that worried, you were saying, oh, he's lost it, which if you're seeing that, you are wrong, because he did right. not. And I don't even, was it was it even a walk, or was it, I think it was just a little, t- like, hopper up the middle, a weak contact up the middle. Oh, was it? I thought it was, You, yeah, you might be right, actually. Now I, think I think it was it. just a weak grounder up the middle that, you know, by, uh, the shortstop bias just didn't have time to, you know, get the runner at first. I think it was just weak contact up the middle. Yeah, if I if I recall correctly, you might be right. I, I'm, um, and I'm real it up real quick, just to interject, um, I just tweeted from. Nope, it was the, a walk. Carlos Santana walk. Okay, well there we go. 
Um, maybe we're talking about Lester later then. Um, I just tweeted from the Nets Talk on a Go Twitter account the infographic uh, from Craig Robinson with the best records winning the World Series. So give that a check. Uh, it's pretty cool. Nice. Um, so anyway, uh, I thought it was just such a weird decision. It made no sense. I thought Hendricks looked great. Yes, he did. Uh, and to bring in a starting pitcher on short rest, uh, taking Hendricks out at 62 pitches on full rest, just made no sense. No sense. When uh, Madden clearly hadn't shown much faith in his bullpen anyway, and you didn't know how long Lester was really going to be able to go on short rest. Right. I mean, I think that's the that was the big point. To take him out, you already know you don't trust your bullpen, and you have a starter who's cruising on regular rest. So why? Who's been great for you all year? And yeah, Craig, it was a ground ball. It was that short ground ball that uh, that. Lester gave up in his first at bat to Kipnis that David Ross threw to you know, yeah, in the middle of nowhere. Tim Buck too. Um, but then after Lester got out of that first inning, he started to pitch really well. Yes. Um, and then so you're thinking, okay, well now you got John Lester in. He's he's got through some. He's worked through a little adversity here and there. Um, but he's pitching. He's pitching well. He's pitched through three innings. Hey, um, maybe Lester can go the distance. Or at least t- get it to your closer in the ninth inning. In the ninth inning. Uh, and instead, he says, after after seven and three innings of Lester, he says, no, I'm, I'm good. <laughs> Actually, right. no, it was a repl- he had to replace him, didn't he? Uh, yeah, I think it was in the middle of the inning. Yeah. And so... Um, it was four outs. He needed four outs. Yeah, which... It, and this is, the, this is the ground ball up the middle to Baez that... Um, I recall. Right, right. Um, that it was a it was weak contact. It, it was, was not it, exactly. Yeah, not a well hit ball at all. Not a sign that Lester was uh, wavering, that he was struggling at all. Not any reason to bring in uh, Chapman uh, for a longer save when he had thrown so many pitches the day before, up five runs, mind you, the day before. In an unnecessary situation. Exactly. And you could tell pretty early on with Chapman that he did not have it. He touched 100. He touched 101. But he was sitting 98-99. Yeah. Which for Chapman is slow. And there was one pitch that he threw that was 102. And I, I think I texted you at the time about it. And it anything he threw 100 or over... Which, it seems ridiculous to have this conversation because it's ridiculous but, but that he can throw that hard. But, like, when, he's, when he throws over 100 miles an hour with ease. And when he was, anything was 100 miles an hour and, and over was nowhere near the spot that the catcher wanted him to throw it. He was right. just rearing back and throwing it as hard as he could and hoping it was over the plate. I mean, that, that's, that was it. The only time that he had command was when he was throwing 98 or so miles an hour, which makes him way less effective than when he's throwing 102 miles an hour. I think there was at one point he threw five straight sliders. Yeah, he all he was throwing there at the end were sliders because he, I mean, he just knew that he had nothing else. He just didn't have it. Yeah, and he was he was using it. He was basically using it as a changeup, so he could then so the so the 98 would look that much faster. Um, right, but yeah, you could definitely tell he was not the oldest Chapman that the Cubs wanted in there at all. And uh, on the other side of the coin, you could say the same exact thing earlier in the game for Andrew Miller. For sure. Talk about another pitcher. And Corey I mean, Kluber. And Corey Kluber. Talk about another pitcher who was used and used and used and used throughout the entire postseason in long, long appearances, and I know that's kind of been his thing all season. He's kind of been this swing guy, but at the end of the day, there's such thing as overuse, and you know, it looks like for uh, a couple of these guys, it just was one step too far uh, yep. for Miller and Chapman, especially these relievers. You know, asking him to do just a, a little bit too much in these high pressure situations. So um, uh, Terry Frankenter is not ex- not absolved at all uh, either. Uh, no, because didn't work with Miller either. He he got uh, wrecked. David Ross went yard on him. Yeah, just in his like, last uh, in his last career at bat. Nice, which is pretty amazing. That's pretty crazy. 
Yeah, and Aroldis Chapman got hit uh, a home run by, uh, what, what was it, Perez? That hit the home run? Yeah. It was uh, Rajai Davis. Was it Rajai Davis? Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Pretty crazy. Yeah, just, just silly. Just silly stuff. Yeah. Um, um, but, yeah, that home run uh, to tie the game... That was insanity. I was sitting that laughing was one of the on my couch. Craziest things. It, I was sitting laughing on my couch maniacally, like I could. Yeah. I could not believe what was happening. I just. It was like this is, and we were kind of texting back and forth, like, "Oh God, this isn't going to happen to the Cubs again, is it?" Like right, we were like, right. "Like no way, this can't possibly be." And it, you know, it didn't. They ended up coming back. But the the other thing we, I mean, we have to talk about the rain delay. Yes. Like that. That happening was like the poetic nature of that, <laughs> of like, hey, this is crazy. They the the Indians just tie up the game, and then the skies open up. They delay the game. You know, Chapman's crying in the dugout. Like people, it's like it changes the whole. Right. I mean, the whole momentum talked, of the game. We've talked about momentum a lot yeah. on this game, uh, on this podcast, and the Indians had it. Yeah, and this is, you know, the, I would say the two of us are probably on the more stat-heavy side, so getting us to admit that something like momentum exists is something else, but it, it's really a thing in these situations. You, It, it, it affects the, the way it, that it you play It means something entirely. to the players, and the players feel it, and the power of positive thinking is something that matters. Yeah, or the power of negative thinking even. Right. Like the power of, oh God, I can't believe we lost this game when it's a tie game versus having 17 minutes during a rain delay to regroup in your clubhouse after you've just given up <clears throat> given up uh, your world's four outs away from your World Series. Yeah, four outs away championship. from winning it all. Yeah. Uh, so it was pretty amazing that that could happen and then, you know, Zobris comes out and... And, and hits that double and then Montero singles and they're up two again. And that was how, yeah, they, and, yeah, how uh, they say was that. And I, this is where um, Terry Francona, I think deserves a, a, a good bit of blame here. Uh, the, what ended up being the eighth run for the Cubs. Uh, do you know how he got on base? Uh, the intentional walk. Intentional walk. Yeah. The intentional walk was the winning run. Yep, it was the the intentional walk of Rizzo, right? Yep. Yeah. So that it's hard. I got what he was doing, right? Like you're trying to get the you're trying to get the double play. You're trying to get a you're trying to make sure that they can get your guy if he gets if your pitcher gets a ground ball and it's headed a guy, you can get him out of the inning quickly. But two intentional walks and three batters, and all of a sudden you've got a two run lead that. You know, your team gave you a chance at the end, but that extra, right. it, it was the extra run. It was that one extra run, but then uh, the Indians put up a fight, but, you know, what was it? Mike Montgomery ended up getting the save. save. First career major league save. Yeah. That's just, ridiculous. Just silly. Just crazy. Cubs did it. It was one of the craziest games I've ever seen. It was long. There was a rain delay. It was extra innings. It was game seven. It was magical. It, it was, was the really best cool. thing ever. Yeah. Everything uh, about it was great. Yeah. It was, it was a great experience. Uh, I thought Joe Madden was absolutely terrible. I thought ah! he was too. I thought he was too. And I thought he was really bad, but I mean, the Cubs picked him up. Jason Hayward apparently gave a hell of a speech. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, Ben Zobrist is a hell of a hitter and, uh, Chris Bryant came alive when he needed to. Yeah, and Anthony Rizzo too. Yep. Uh, they both. They both did. They with that whole team. They just everywhere you turned, they did something. It was pretty, so yeah, I think uh, I. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna say the Cubs are gonna be a dynasty and you know break off like the next two World Series or anything like that. But I do think you're gonna see the Cubs in the World Series at least a couple more times in the next five or six years. Yeah. With, with the talent they have and the age of that talent, for the most part, it's hard to imagine them not making at least one or two more world series in the next half decade. I mean, right. It would be hard to, hard to imagine. Right. Which good on them. They've been, uh, they've been waiting. (laughs) So, yeah. Um, with that, uh, at 1247, 
uh, early Thursday morning. The season officially ended, and we are now in the off season, and we've already got some Nats news. Yeah, that I, I love how quickly that happens because it's over. But it's you know it gives you something real quick when you're talking about options picked up and all that kind of. stuff. Yes, it was it was a, a nice little, uh, I, I guess, easing the transition. Exactly, easing the transition into hockey and full time soccer. Yes, uh-huh. of course. Um, so to the surprise of. Absolutely no one. The Nationals picked up Gio Gonzalez's $12 million option yeah. for 2017. Uh, no-brainer. Yeah. $12 million for a left-handed pitcher who has missed like a month in the last six seasons. Right. I mean, it's he's a starting pitcher. He can get you somewhere close to – somewhere between 150 and 200 innings every single year. Um, and he's a left-handed pitcher. That alone gets you 10 to $12 million. <laughs> let alone anything else that you could do. And, uh, you know, Gio Gonzalez did not have his best year in 2016, but he's still not nearly as bad as people think he is. Um, so I think, um, it, like you said, Greg, it, just a complete, complete no-brainer to yeah. to pick up that option. I mean... Um, yeah, and we've, we, we're, we're both, you and I, not sure... Uh, where he fits, if he fits uh, in the rotation. Uh, obviously, it's day one of the offseason. No idea what's going to end up happening. Um, the possibility of a sign-and-trade, I think, is there. I think I think it's there. I, I'm not. I'm certainly not going to say the idea of the fact... Just because they... And to be... We should probably point this out for people who may not be aware. Just because they picked up the option doesn't mean he's going to be on the team. Right. Um, they picked up the option because it's cheap and it just makes financial sense to pick him up. If he is, if he is in the Nationals organization, he will be on the in the starting rotation. But there's no guarantee that he's going to be on the national on the Nationals roster in any way, shape, or form. He could easily be traded because he's a left-handed pitcher for twelve million dollars <laughs> that a team would be more than willing to trade some guys for uh, to shore up their rotation, especially incredibly team... valuable. Exactly incredibly valuable and uh he does have uh a 2018 option also for 12 million dollars that also a team a a complete team option not a not a player or a mutual option so a team Uh, it is a team option but it also vests with 180 innings exactly that was the other point so if he pitches more than 180 innings whatever team has him at the end of 2017 will have him for 2018 and I'm not sure if there is a trade stipulation. I know a lot of times um, uh, players have clauses in contracts like this that say, if you trade me during this, automatically I get this. Right. That And with um, with vesting options, that happens pretty frequently. Um, that, yeah, if, if you're on your that team and you hit, a, hit that number, you, you get vested. But if you trade me, I, it, my contract vests for the next year. Period. Right. That's a pretty common thing. So yep. uh, we're not saying it's going to happen, just that uh, it's a possibility because his value is huge. I think there the was something trade. related to that to uh, with, with the Papelbon situation. Yeah. That there was some – he was he was about to vest or something like that, and then he also wanted to be closing, and so they had to like renegotiate the next year or something before the deal was made. Right. Um, that makes sense. Uh, also, in news of the not-at-all-shocking – uh, the Nationals declined the option on Yuzmiro Petit. Yeah, it's a three million and, three million dollar option for a guy who is probably your worst reliever this year. Yeah, this year. And, so uh, second, second worst. Pavlovon. Well, uh, worst reliever who was on the roster by the end of the season. <laughs> okay, that's fair. Yeah, I mean he was he was dreadful. He was awful. Um, yeah, spent the two hundred fifty thousand dollars or whatever to buy him out. Uh, that's fine. Uh, I would not be surprised if he found work somewhere. Oh, he's going to find work someplace. Some some place is going to go. Hey, you know, we're going to anticipate that you're not going to do that again. But right, um, it was he was terrible. He I was mean, not, all, he, all year he, he long. Was, yeah, he was he was not good. Yeah. Um. So yeah. Also, not a surprise there. So, uh, already nice to see some moves coming in for the Nationals. Yeah, and what I kind of, not forgot about, but forgot about a little bit was how many guys in the Nationals organization are were becoming free agents. 
Yeah, yeah, uh, there were uh, what seven or eight. It was I, a, I saw. It was a fairly long list, and I should have pulled it up before I brought it up. Uh, um, Drew Heisey, Ramos, Melanson. Uh, That's all I can remember. Zipchinski. Yeah. Uh, a couple. Uh, Drew. I said Drew. Uh, oh, sorry. Um, either way. Either way. Um, yeah. It's. It was a longer list than I remembered it being, um, and. Oh, Ramos. Yeah, I said. I think I said Ramos. Oh, I, too. I, if you did it, I missed it. Um, but I am. None of them were besides outside of Ramos and Melanson. None of them are irreplaceable pieces. No. Um, bench players are meant to be replaced. It's the reason that, like, after the 2012 season that Chad Tracy had, that like they signed that million dollar deal. And then he was bad, and they're like, "All right, bye, Chad." Like, because no. you just never know what you're going to get from a guy when you get a flash in the pan, incredible bench season. Because bench seasons are much harder to, re- to replicate than regular everyday player seasons, right? Just strictly because of sample size. Exactly, because you don't really know if what you saw it was legitimate or not. Because they did it in, you know, if they were full time bench players, they did it in, you know, maybe 200 at bats, plate plate appearances. Yeah, generous. Yeah. Um, um, but yeah, Chris Heisey, I think of the players of the bench players, Chris Heisey would be a, an option to look at. Uh, also I think Drew was, I think Drew, if I'm picking one, I I'm picking Steven Drew. Yeah. Uh, I, I just think that he, he provides enough, um, for, in a, a lot of places to provide a lot of value. Um, but either one of those I think are, are reasonable guys to look at re-signing. I don't know if you're looking at too much. Uh, too much more than that, though. Yeah, and I, I don't think they're going to cost a lot. So no, um, they're, and, it, and it, it's not like they're going to go somewhere and start. No, they, they, I mean they're not starters, and you know it. So, um, and and they know it as well, and their manager knows it. Um, oh, B- the other guys, Belial and oh, Belial, yeah, and uh, Matt Latos. So oh yeah, guys, guys that we weren't really thinking about. No. Um, so yeah, I mean, on that list. Uh, I would say the, the likely guys that you see back in the organization, honestly, I think maybe Sean Burnett uh, comes back on another minor league deal. Um, yeah. I think there's a real chance of that. I think that the, t- the team has shown an affinity for him. and he's... Minor league deal, big league, uh, major league invite. Exactly. Oh, yeah. It'll be a major league invite to spring training for sure. Drew as well. Um, and then I think it's just you decide what you want to do about Melanson and Ramos. Well, yeah, it's, it sounds like uh, there was news that came out about a week ago that the Nationals were going to push hard to uh, get Melanson to stay. And uh, I know that – I know uh, – I saw Mark Zuckerman tweeted that the everyone that became a free agent can sign with other teams, can sign with teams in five days. They actually can sign with the Nationals within – the next five days, correct. If they so choose, um, so it doesn't happen um, all that much. <laughs> no, it doesn't happen all that much because once you're this close to seeing what you can get, why would you? Why? Why not wait a couple weeks? <laughs> yeah. Why not? Uh, why settle now? Yeah. Exactly. Uh, unless you're really happy. Um, so uh, the Nationals are looking to make a push for Melanson, which is great because he was a good fit and uh, he was very, very, very effective. Yes. Um, and. Uh, he's going to look a lot better uh, right now than uh, Aroldis Chapman does. Uh, he has a ring, but he also looked mortal for the first time. And you can talk about usage all you want, but perspective also or uh, perception also says a lot. No question. No like, question. Uh, you can talk about how he was used, whether he was used too much or anything like that. But the fact that the last thing you saw was him giving up just weak, Pitches and bombs. I mean, after after just kind of being in the teens and pitch count too in Game Seven of a World Series, you're going to have teams. The teams that are going to be going for a guy like Chapman are going to be your perennial competitor type teams. Right, and, that's going to be in the back of their head, and that and it's going to be there totally. It's definitely going to be in their head. Um, so I I think that a guy like Melanson is going to have a crazy amount of value um, going into this year, and that's. That is it's why, a good closers market, man. It's, it's a very good closers market. So you mean there's a lot much, of pe- there's a lot of options. 
Yes, there's there's Ex- good options. Exactly. Very, there there are three incredible closer options out there. Chapman, Miller, and uh, Melanson. Uh, I wasn't even thinking Miller as a closer option. Yeah. As, just because he's so established as this just rogue swingman, amazing guy. Right. Uh, Kenley Jansen. Oh, my God. I forgot Jansen was a free agent. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's so really good relief market. <laughs> yeah. It's an incredible closers market. So yeah. uh, the Nationals know from the last five years how much of a need closer is. Yeah. They've uh, had some experience. So I, I have a feeling they'll be able to, to get something. I think they're going to be willing to pay a good amount of money for a closer for the first time. I think yes. we're for the first time. Like we, we saw, you kind of think back on the Nationals closer history and you go, okay, you got the Drew Store and stuff. And then you got the Soriano thing that where they were trying to get, they were trying to get a discount ish for a guy who was once kind of pretty good. Um, right. But was at the late end of his career and they paid for that dearly. And then same, they did the same thing with Papelbon, like at the end of his career, hoping that they can get a little bit more out of him in a, in a championship season that went poorly on a number of levels. And so I think they're going to finally look at it and I think they're going to look up at the, at the scoreboard at the, at their financials and they're going to go, yeah, it's, if we wanted to get where we wanted to be last year, we were pretty close. We know one of the things that we, that helped us get there was having Melanson on the team. And I think and they've that, got some money to spend. And I, exactly, and I think that's going to make it really likely that you see a guy like Melanson or, or, or Jansen end up in DC. Yeah, which would be awesome. Yeah, um, and then uh, Ramos. Yeah, uh, they have some time to make a qualifying offer, uh, yeah. which I believe is seventeen point two million dollars. That high already? I think wow. I saw. Let, let me check my note. Um, yeah, 17.2. Just like two years ago, it was like 13. Yeah, so that's where the qualifying offer is. For a catcher who's over 30, who won't be back until June. At the earliest. If everything goes right, he won't be back till halfway, about halfway through the year. Right. So it seems unlikely. Yeah, (laughs) I'm, I don't think it's a smart move. Yeah. Uh, love Wilson Ramos. Uh, I wish it would be a good move. Yeah. I, I want it to be a move that happens, but I don't think it would be a prudent move. Yeah. I, I want to see him on the team. I don't want to see Wilson Ramos play someplace else. I just don't. Right. I love no. him in DC, but I think signing him to more than $17 million as a catcher, having a second ACL surgery would be kind of insane. Um, it just, I don't see any benefit to that at all. Uh, signing him to a three year deal and saying, Hey, you were good to us. We're going to be good to you and trust you. You're going to make it, you're going to rehab and you give us a bit of a discount and we're going to be giving you three years. Now we're having a different conversation. I, if, if there was a mutual interest, that would be great. I think Wilson Ramos is going to have a bigger market than that. I think he is too. I'm saying if if there was mutual interest and that would be right. possible, I think right. that would be great for the Nationals. I think that is unlikely. I think right. Wilson I Ramos agree. is a 30-year-old catcher who's going to be back mid-season that can hit and is looking to get a, probably his last payday. So right. I think I think uh, he was 100% right when he said in the last week of the season that AL is probably the way to go. Yeah, he with his injury history in general, he was extremely durable up until the very end. Um, of this season with that, you know, freak knee thing, but he was extremely durable all year long. If you could get him out from behind the plate, you're going to yeah. get a, a lot of offensive value out of him. Um, not saying he never catches, but you're going to see him more like an AL Buster Posey where he catches a couple times a week and DH is the rest of it. And I think that makes a lot of sense. I think so too. Um, but and it's going to no, help him I get paid more. I don't think, I don't think the qualifying offer is going to come down for him. I just don't. I don't think. I would be shocked. I, I, I don't think that's a wise allocation of money yeah. uh, either. No, I don't think so either. I don't think so at all. Um, do you want to hit any uh, free agent targets that we think the Nats might uh, might dig after? Um, or do we want to save that since it's a really, really, really long offseason? season? <laughs> I think we can save that for next week, okay. um, just because 
free agency starts just a couple days before our next podcast, and I really don't think there's going to be a flurry of moves that first couple days. Yep. Yeah, I think so too. We um, we could talk free agent trade stuff as as markets become clearer um, over the next week or two or three, and we can dig into those. I think is probably a better plan. That sound good? Yeah. All right. Uh, anything else that you want to hit on before we start questions? No, let's do it. Uh, we got a lot of questions. Um, a lot of really great questions, as we talked about earlier. So from the uh, lovely voiceover for the beginning and end of the show from Josh, uh, are there lessons from the 2016 Cubs postseason that the Nats could stand to learn? Um, lessons? Yep, lessons from the Cubs. Uh, don't be afraid to change. Yeah. Don't be afraid to uh, change up the lineup in Game 7 of the World Series. Yeah. Don't be afraid to bring your starter in or your closer in in higher leverage situations uh, within reason. Yep. Um, yeah. Yeah. That's a good, that's a really good one. I think we have another question similar to that. So don't ask. be afraid to bench someone who's been terrible. Yeah. See Jason Hayward. Yeah. Um, couple of questions from Guzman. Uh, what do you see right now as being the Nats' opening day 2017 lineup? Unknown free agent is an acceptable answer. And uh, what? Who do you see? Uh, what do you see as a starting rotation opening day 2017? Okay, let's take the first one first. Yep, so opening day lineup, 2017, unknown free agent is acceptable. Uh, how specific are we going? Let's just go. It doesn't have to be order or anything. Just just go by position or whatever. Okay, uh, Zimmerman first, Murphy second, Espinoza short. Uh, I think, uh, obviously, Rendon third. I think Max Scherzer on the mound. I think free agent catcher. Um, we'll be there. Uh, let's and then, see. And then Worth, Turner, Harper. Yeah. Okay, yeah, it's exactly the same as mine. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I don't think there's too much to change there. Um, and starting rotation. Uh, Scherzer, oh gosh, I don't even know if I could do. Scherzer, Strauss, Roark, Ross, Giolito. Scherzer, uh, Strasburg, Roark, um, Ross, unknown free agent. Ooh. Um, uh, will the Nationals give Wilson Ramos a qualifying offer? Uh, Steve asks. We uh, hit that one. Do uh, a couple of questions from Josh. Do you think uh, seeing Chris Bryant win the World Series has any impact on future free agent Bryce Harper? And is that a good or bad thing for DC? Wait, say that one more time. I'm sorry. Do you think Chris Bryant, uh, I'm sorry, do you think seeing Chris Bryant win a World Series has any impact on future free agent Bryce Harper? And is that good or bad for DC? I think that it, I think he likes seeing his friend do that and wants to experience it. I don't know that it has an impact on whether or not it happens in DC. I don't either. Yeah. I, I don't think that, I think. Harper's a pretty hungry guy. Yeah, I think he's going to take what he can get from wherever is willing to give it, for the most part. Um, but I don't think that... I think he saw a guy that he used to play against win a World Series, and he wants to do that because they're both young stars, but uh, I don't think he feels any extra affinity towards doing it in D.C. personally. Um, <laughs> and Josh also asks, has Theo Epstein won the baseball? Yes. Yes, all of it. Yes. Like, Hall, Hall of Famer right now. Like, he probably already was. And now, the mortal lock. Oh, he definitely office. was. He definitely, definitely was already. Yeah. Um, now, now, now he's maybe the, the best front office guy in baseball history. Uh, sports history. Yeah, pretty, pretty accurate. It's ridiculous. Um, from, from, uh, from Guzman, uh, where does Tuesday night's World Series rank among all-time Game 7s? Uh, he says better than 01, better than 14, better than 91, question mark. Um, uh, like I said, one or two, flip a coin between 01 and this one. Yeah, I, I think so too. I don't think there's too much 
too much question about that. The the other World Series were great games, obviously, but I mean these the the circumstances around both this one and the World Series in October two thousand one were completely different, and so. Um, you know, Yankees playing a month after, you know, September 11th and everything it, it had a huge narrative effect on that narrative drives everything. So, right. And I mean, no, nothing franchise, the Arizona Diamondbacks winning against the greatest closer of all time. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, it, just so much to unpack from that whole series and from that game. So, um, yep, for sure. A couple more from Josh. Do you see any possibility of the Nats uh, looking at Lourdes Griel uh, as a left fielder in 2018 and beyond? Um, probably not, no. <laughs> the Nats don't do... Nats have not traditionally done much in that market. So um, I would be surprised to see that position be replaced in that way. Yeah. Um, and a uh, sad question... Uh, from Josh, is 2017 going to be the farewell tour for Jason Worth? Uh, farewell tour meaning in uh, D.C.? How about... Uh, I'm, we're going to go with the Guzman logic of answer the question as you like. Okay. Um, I don't think he's done. No. Uh, Jason Worth's not done. He's, no. done he's done in D.C., but he's not done. Right. Uh, yeah. I, I, I don't think he's on a farewell tour yet. No, I think I think he, Jason Worth is also a very likely AL candidate um, for for the, the, uh, the later part of his career um, just would make some sense. But uh, he's he did really well in 2016 in the field. So you never know. You yeah, never know. I, th I think he's got a lot more years left in him, but I think I think so, too. Uh, a switch to the AL uh, might benefit him once for the same reason we were just talking about with Wilson Ramos. Yeah. Get a couple DH days in. And um, we saw in the playoffs, I mean, your, D your DHs are no longer big, fat David Ortiz's. Yeah, anymore. exactly. Exactly. The DH I mean, position ben has changed. And I think a guy, for a guy like Worth, you're not gonna, Worth isn't going to go to a team to be a full – would not go to a team to be a full-time DH. I think that you're likely to go to a team – He's likely to go to a team that does not have a full-time DH that he could split that DH time and also get some time in the field, I think is a more likely scenario. Uh, from Fang, what's the what is the first thing you do if one of your long-suffering teams wins a title or trophy? Uh, hug every person that ever is around me. Yes, <laughs> while crying. Yes. Yes, that is the answer. Um uh, Steve wants to know how long until we can hate on Cubbies fans. I don't hate on other fans very much. Yeah, I don't either. I like. I, I know a lot of Cubs fans that are nice. Um, I shit on Cardinals fans a lot, but they bring it upon themselves. Yeah, for the most part. We right. also know some good Cardinals fans, but yeah, um, the the as a as a larger base, they do it to themselves. Yeah, I don't. I I hate the idea of because this team won, we should hate on their them and their fans. Like that's I don't, I don't like that. Like yeah. it was a team that was built well and good for them, and that fan base, my god, <laughs> yeah, they deserve it. And another one from Steve: What celebrities should we target to become Nets fans? We already have Harry, we already have Harry Reid. Harry, celebrities. Harry Reid is <laughs> DC celebrity, Craig. DC celebrity, celebrity, real celebrity. Nice. I think we need Kanye. <sighs> nice. I think Kanye would be good for the Nationals brand. Kanye is good for No, Kanye. not Kanye. Um, let's see. Who would be good for the Nationals brand? I'm going to think about this one. Yeah, it's an interesting one because the Cubs have a lot of them. Yes, they do. Uh, from Guzman, what, which National do you think gave out the best... Halloween candy at his house. I'm going Clint Robinson. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. Um, which national gave out the best Halloween candy? I like this question. It's a good one. Uh, it wasn't Trey Turner because he was probably still trick-or-treating. <laughs> good answer. Same goes for Michael um, A. Yeah, same goes for Michael A. It wasn't, no. No, it wasn't Murphy. I don't think it was worth. Gonna need an answer. It was Dusty Baker. Good one. 
Uh, definitely Dusty Baker. That's a good one. Would it, also giving out toothpicks. Which nap would you most want to have at your thanks at your Thanksgiving dinner, and whose would you most want to attend? It's the same. Max Scherzer. It's the Scherzer. Yes, absolutely. No question for both. Actually, uh, I might want to bring Jason Worth to mind. <laughs> That's good. Just that, because the shenanigans. Yeah, it would be pretty funny. Uh, but uh, Mac, the Scherzers, yes, is the answer. I want. The, those are I would like to be at their at their Thanksgiving more than some people in my immediate family. And um, can we just talk for a second, real quick, about the hilarious tweets last week? What hilarious tweets? Did you not see the hilarious tweets uh, that Max Scherzer had about the jersey? Oh yeah, that was phenomenal. That was the best. Yeah, Max Scherzer's wife throwing away the jersey. Supposedly threw away his second no hitter jersey. And he said, look at these dirty purses. (laughs) Yeah, that was brilliant. He's pretty great. They're they're both pretty great. We we do not deserve them. We do not, but we are glad to have them. Yes. Series of questions here from Fang. Uh, Do you think that they'll implement more clocks in the game to speed it up? The answer yes. is yes. They're yes. definitely, definitely going to implement a pitch. If clock you saw next the year. Dodgers pitch at all, yes, yes. they're Baez going to... is the worst human pitcher in the universe. Yeah, they are going to implement a pitch clock in 2017. I guarantee it. Not in 2017. You don't think? The, I am the CBA. Actually, yeah, that's right. The CBA is up. Yeah, in 2017, it's going to exist. I think. Nice. Um, uh, it'll happen. I don't know if it's going to be this year. I think they want might want to do a little bit more experimenting. It, uh, Brian Baker from Bad Religion is a Nationals fan thing? I did not know that. Interesting. I said celebrity. Hey. Hey. And Beth said the uh, the Obamas, which would be awesome. But, yeah. it is, And she also admits it's a bit of a long shot. But that would be pretty great. That would be great. Um. If we can just get Bill to some games. Oh, man. God bless it. All right. All right. Um, saw some interesting bullpen decisions during the postseason. Is Bill Clinton impression just old Matthew McConaughey? <laughs> oh, man. It's, yes. Yes, it is. Wow. <laughs> Very similar. Uh, another one from Feng. We saw some interesting bullpen decisions during the postseason. Is this the start of a paradigm shift? Why or why not? I think it totally is. I think I think it is because managers look at what worked and they go, "Hey, that worked." Even for the team that lost, that totally worked. So we're gonna have we want an Andrew Miller type, and we want to be moving guys around. Uh, you may not. You're, we're gonna have closers pitching two innings. Kenley Jansen did the same thing. Um, I think it is gonna be a paradigm shift going yeah. at least for a few years because. It worked for the managers in the World Series, and other managers are going to try it. I think as good as, uh, uh, as well as Dusty Baker managed uh, in the postseason, generally, um, I'm not sure he's going to be as quick to adopt um, four outs, five out saves. I don't, I don't think so either, although he did put um, Melanson in a couple of those situations this year. And right. I'll be interested to see how much it happens in the regular season and how much of an aberration the playoffs were. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. how um, often that's going to be what you look at. You're certainly not going to regularly be seeing, you know, guys closers go six, seven outs and you're certainly not going to regularly see, you know, Clayton Kershaw and John Lester pitch in relief. You know, th- those are postseason specific, I think. Um but it, you'll see some. I think you'll see some differences here pretty quickly. Yes. Watching any winter league baseball? Fang wants to know. Or and do we have any rooting interests? Probably not. Uh, I'm probably not going to watch baseball much uh, if it's on, which it won't be, yeah. just because I'm sore. Yeah, I'm. I, this is usually what ends up happening for me. I take I take a little bit of winter time off. Uh, from baseball, I'm not saying I don't do anything baseball related. I certainly keep keep in touch with the hot stove and everything, but it's my time to catch up on some TV shows and kind of regroup for next year. Baseball season uh, takes a lot out of us. We uh, gotta gotta recharge in other ways. So I, I yeah. don't I don't watch much winter league baseball, and that's killing myself with other sports. Yeah, exactly. Uh, 
Any blockbuster move predictions, Fang asks. No. No, I don't have any. There's no need for a blockbuster move. Yeah. That would be a panic move. Yeah, agreed. Uh, uh, Natfan9Jonathan is asking, uh, has a, sent us a series of questions and p- chose any. And since we have so many, I'm just going to pick one right in the middle. Um, who is the Nats MVP of the 2016 season? Daniel Murphy. Yes. <clears throat> Do you think the Cubs winning the World Series will change their fan culture, or will it remain the same? They've got a pretty good fan culture. <laughs> I don't um, think. I don't think much needs to change. I think it might expand to people a little bit who um, had kind of given up the goat. Maybe. Yeah. What about you? Um, I. Th- I think the whole lovable losers thing has kind of been gone for a little bit. Yeah, they've been good. It's, a, been, it's not like it came out of nowhere. Right. It's been they've been good. Uh there's been a culture change. Um and when you really look at it, I mean, the Cubs are a multi-billion dollar enterprise. Yeah. And they essentially print money. <laughs> yeah. They're they're, and I, I love their fan culture. I think it's great. I think I it's too. very laid back. I think it's uh, joyful, uh, yeah. wonderful. And, uh, supportive. I think, yeah, I think, I, I mean, obviously it's supportive. And I hope that doesn't change. And I hope they don't uh, get spoiled um, by their success, which I think we both agree will continue. Yeah, I think so too. Um, but they're... I mean, lovable losers has been their thing, and they are lovable. I mean, yep. their their fans are all great, and then it's just the atmosphere that has just come with really. I mean, they didn't get lights until the '80s. It was always day games. Day games are always more relaxed, and it's just that's the atmosphere. That's the culture. That's just what was uh, fraught and what happened in Chicago, and how everyone was raised there, and how everyone became fans, and. Um, so I, I think not much is really going to change with attitudes and I think none, uh, it's none more exemplified than with their number one super fan, Bill Murray, who kind of just marches to the beat of not even a drum, but like (laughs) a freaking like who the hell knows. I know. Right. Um, all right. We, uh, Gonna, we got a lot more questions, so we're gonna move through. I'm gonna move through them pretty quickly and kind of cherry pick some. Lightning round. Yeah, we're gonna cherry pick some out of here uh, so we could wrap up here because I've got an early morning tomorrow. Um, speaking of being closer to eight, eight than eight thirty, which is related to our start time tonight, uh, how would you restructure the MLB playoffs so that kid the games are more kid friendly? I would have one game in the afternoon on a weekend. I would have it started around. Two or three. Yeah. It, it makes it really hard for, for when you can't have kids watching a game, when you got a Tuesday night game that starts at 8.15. It's, I mean, what can you do? You're not having yeah. your, your, your four-year-old stay up and watch that. Baby Max in bed by 7.30. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, it's, I think, I understand advertisers and all that. I get it. I really do. It's a it's, money-driven It's a money-driven sport. And, everything it's enter- it's entertainment but uh and we've talked in the past about how MLB sucks at this they're the, they're uh, they are the worst sport at this um i think if you really want to grow the fan base you need to have one game just one game start a one afternoon game a sunday afternoon day game 1 30 1 o'clock 2 o'clock whatever it is yep uh, Saturday afternoon. I, I know you're going against college football. I know you're going against NFL. Whatever. Who cares? Yeah. It's one one game. One, one game. One game. One game outside of the division series. Make it, a, make it a big deal. Old school graphics. Who cares? Do it yeah. up. Make it even more special of a viewing experience. I don't know. I, I just think it's something you have to do. But I don't think there, that the time is ever going to change from 8 o'clock Eastern. I don't think so either. Because um, it's a West Coast problem, too. So Yeah. Uh, especially during the week. Uh, 
So what am uh, Beard wants to know? So what am I going to do for the next three and a half months? I think you should just rewatch Arrow repeatedly. Yeah, I mean Arrow is just like the best. There you go. Uh, also, uh, Everton. Yes, that uh, that's what I'm going to be doing. And the Capitals. Yes, uh, hockey. That is, that is my answer. And catching up on TV shows. Ooh, Capitals. Woof. Yeah. Oh, did they do something? Did they? They were up three nothing going into the third, and now we're going to overtime. Ooh, that's that's tough. I, I turned it off and it was two nothing because we were doing that at show. home. Rough. Um, which celebrities? If Fang wants to know, would you like to hear Sing take me up to the ball game? Uh, I don't want to hear any of them do it anymore. Yeah, retire it. It's, I'm done. It's a little, it's a little old. Although the Eddie Vedder thing was cool. Um, it is cool. It's great, but it's over. Which beverage would you want sprayed on you in a championship celebration? Uh, champagne. It's, Come on. It's it's traditional, but oh so good. Um, uh, all of the champagne. Yeah. It's... And then Jason Worth's gluten-free bards. <laughs> nice. Nice. Um, uh, which friend or family member, if Fang wants to know, who isn't with us, would you want to celebrate a major sports moment with? Oh, both of us. It's our dad, I'm sure. Correct. Yeah. Correct. Uh, and the answer is any of them. <laughs> any of the sports would, yeah. would not matter. Yeah. Uh, if, if Fang, if you could pick any non-U.S. or Canada location to see an MLB exhibition game, where would Ooh, it be? Oh, I like this question. Yeah, me too. I wanted to make sure I have, we got to it. I have two. What are yours? Um, so uh, I, it's directly in contrast to this because it's in Canada, but I really want to go to a game in Montreal. One of the actual Dude, exhibition games in that Montreal. That was a qualifier I, of the question. I know. I was just saying you that. You cannot answer Montreal. I was saying it as an aside. Oh, gosh. Um, other than that, I, I don't really have a place, so why don't you tell me yours? Uh, I have two. Yeah. Uh, one is Tokyo. Oh, good one. Because I think that would be super cool just to see that how it is over cool. there. Uh, and number two is Mexico City. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Um, I think it would be cool to um, take baseball to somewhere where cricket is very popular. India. And well, Yeah, India, the UK, something like that, and just kind of like see the interest in the sport that is so different than... That is similar to, but so different than cricket. And I think that yeah, there was a really cool story uh, I saw. I want to say it was the Indian baseball team um, for the World Baseball Classic. They had uh, they were at the qualifying. I I might have been India, and I'm gonna try and find the article after the show. Um, but not a popular sport over there, obviously. Like the very first time they'd ever actually played on a true baseball field was at the World Baseball Classic qualifying. Crazy, because they've been playing like, on cricket. Because they've been playing on modified fields. That's crazy the entire time. But you know, just that, and they're trying to grow the game and all that kind of stuff. So cool. But Share it if I, you can find I, it. I wanted to say it was something like it might have been. I, I honestly, I think it was a podcast. Ah, heard. okay. Um, but. Uh, they said something along the lines of they're offering massive amounts of baseball scholarships. Interesting. Um, for it, where you know you can actually get money to go to school, whereas you wouldn't be able to go to school if you just take what was it like three months and learn how to play baseball. Wow. Yeah, that's cool. Very neat. Um, Fang, final question from Fang. Yes, final question from Fang. Do you see? Uh, do you think Cleveland can come back next season to win the AL pennant in the World Series? Why or why not? Um, I was just told I, it was Pakistan. Nice. And it was a Deadspin article. Thank you, Fang. I was nice. so close, but so very wrong. Like, uh, you were close. M morally wrong. <laughs> yeah, nice. Um, I I think Cleveland can come back to win it. Uh, I, I think they absolutely can come back. Uh, they were without two of their top pitchers, you know. Yeah, yeah, no kidding. They injury issues massively. They're they're a really good team with a really good manager, and 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 they lost uh, their best outfielder and top five MVP candidate, uh, Michael Brantley. Yep. 
after I think eleven games. Brantley was a huge loss, and they made it that far still. So, so yeah, I absolutely think that they can get there. Yep, I agree. Michelle wants to know: Can we? I assuming we means the Nationals and not the Cubs in this case. Sign Dexter Fowler. I love this, and I want to talk about it more next week. Okay, excellent. Uh, opening day, Logan wants to know who opening day center fielder and shortstop are. We hit that earlier. We both think Turner and Espinosa, respectively. How many 2017 rotation spots will go to people who were never on the Nats roster in 2016? I say one. Craig said zero. Right? Yes. So far, yes. Yes, exactly. And we will revisit that. Um so I think that's going to do it for this first of many off-season episodes of Nat's Talk on the Go, unless you have anything else to add, Craig. I, I love the hot stove. I love off-season You baseball. always have loved the hot stove. Hot stove and draft for you have always been... I've always been a big fan, just because um, when I really... like, I always loved baseball, and when baseball first came back to D.C., I was, you know, I loved going to games, but I was, you know, I was in college and I was super busy. And then when I graduated from college, that's when I had a little extra time on my hands. And I really, really, you know, got into baseball. You know what I'm saying? Like I had the time to, you know, the games are actually on TV at this point. Well, that was, I think, the biggest factor for DC fans at that time. Um, But it was 2008, 2009. The team was so bad. Yep. The team was just embarrassingly bad. So, really, we were we were talking about a team that was out of it by May. Yeah. So June was, in a really good year. Yeah, there was yeah. not a lot to look forward to. So it was future, 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 future. So for me, like. I wanted so much to believe in a future and to see uh, that potential to have a successful team. And the way that made the most sense was draft. And uh, I kind of fell in love with, you know, trade rumors and all that kind of thing. And so that's why I just love the, the off season. Cause it was like, okay, we lost 59 game or we won 59 games. Uh, how are we going to get better? Who can we get? that makes us just a little bit better so that we can, you know, win 70 next year, you know, who's the player that we can get on the cheap or, you know, get a bounce back player or something like that. So it always was a a kind of thing that when I really, really let myself get into baseball, like that was it, that was, it was the off season. And now that like we've got this uh, perennial contender, it's like we're fine tuning so much and it's just, the nuance is so it's much more. The little moves in a lot of ways that make the huge difference. Right. And it's so much different and it's so much more interesting. Yep. Because we're not talking, we're looking for uh, a five win player. We're looking for a one and a half win reliever. We're looking for uh, a right handed bench bat that has some versatility. We're looking yep. for, uh, you know, who's going to be a catcher. You know, we're looking for some crazy stuff and it's just like, this is so interesting. Like, do we need to go get a shortstop or do we need to get a second baseman? Do we need to go get a center fielder? I don't know. Yep. Like we have pieces, but are we going to move around something that works already to get half a win? I don't know. Is it, is the, is the changing of the lineup and the rotation or whatever work? Does that, do you still get the benefit of the half win or do you put guys into uncomfortable positions and it doesn't end up working out? There's a lot of, a lot of things to do. Exactly. So it's kind of taken that, you know, that one little, I guess, I don't know if I want to call it a carrot, but that one little happy, like, thing I had to look forward to and kind of turned it into this, like, queer, quizzical, like, fascination for me. Awesome. So I love it. I love the off the off season the hot stove. Me too. I, I not nearly as much as you, but it's always it's always fun. I love seeing the moves. It's my favorite my favorite time of year to be on Twitter almost. To but just to get all the the rumors and sources out there. Also less anxiety. Yeah, also true. Also true. The winter helps. Uh yeah, so we're we got a lot of hot stove things to unpack in the next few weeks, and we will do that and begin to do that in the next episode of Nat's Talk on the Go.
So uh, thank you all for listening, and we will talk to you whenever that next episode comes here pretty soon. And uh, have a good week and a good weekend, everybody. Thanks for listening to Nat's Talk on the Go. For more information, check us out at natstalkonthego.com. To become a supporting member of the podcast, click on the special ops link at the top of the page or head right to natstalkonthego.com slash specialops. You can contact the guys at natstalkonthego on Twitter or send them an email at podcast at natstalkonthego.com. If you like what you heard, take a minute to review the podcast on iTunes and help us spread the word. See you next time. Let's go Nats!